Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge. Glad that you're here and uh, that you gave your morning to be here to worship together and worship the Lord together. As I prayed this morning with the group that got together and helped set up and do a lot of the stuff that has to happen before we all get here, uh, I prayed and, and, and talked about and thanked God for a special day because right now we get to worship God. We get to worship God every day. But the special part about today and right now is that we worship God together corporately as a group, as the body of Christ. And that is different than just us worshiping alone. God says it's different and says that we need to do this, that this is important that we gather together on a regular basis. And so here we are. Well, uh, before I get too deep in, I want to mention something about Baptism Sunday. We had to change something that might be kind of special to you, and you're going to be like, oh, and you're going to be like, oh, you know, when something changes and you've been like so loving that way that we did whatever it is, right, tradition. And what we've done in the past is we've had one big combined service. And what has happened over the last couple of years is that because of the size of our church and what's going on, and these are good things, good problems, we've decided that we're going to have to do two sets of baptisms after each service, because we've been missing people and we try to communicate to hundreds of people and it just isn't working. <laughs> Basically, people show up at the wrong times, people get here and we run out of space and it's just been a little bit of an issue the last two years. Good problem, we're growing, we've got more people, this is awesome. But with that means that we can't baptize everybody at the same exact moment. And so next week we wanted to let everybody know so that you can do one of two things. And this is what I'm hoping you'll do is the first option. Those of you that want to come to second service, I would suggest coming early for the end of first service so that you can come see everybody get baptized, stay, and then get to see everybody else get baptized. For those of you that come to first, if you can stay or if you wanna hang around or if you wanna come back, that would be awesome. But either way, we're gonna baptize everybody we're just going to have to do it at different times. You'll get to hear everybody's testimony. We still have the videos and all that stuff, but that's how we're going to do that. So we wanted to let you guys know so that you can be planning for that and be ready for that. And like Ryan said, it's going to be a powerful day. I see life change even in people who could care less about God are changed on this day. God's going to do some things that we don't even know and are not prepared for. And so I hope that you're ready and praying about that day. And for the ones who are going to be baptized, it's going to be amazing. It just is because that's what God does. And so I'm excited about it. Um, so uh, we're going to jump into a topic today. And, and I want to start by um, just showing you some pictures. And I want to show you these pictures. And I want you to be cognizant, aware of what you think about. All right. So let's go to the first picture um, there. What do you think about when you see that? How many of you start thinking about lunch? <laughs> I do. <laughs> because if you're like me and my son who's 12, he started to realize this. He's like, Dad, can I have another bowl of cereal? And I say, no. And he says, but I'm hungry. And I said, welcome to the rest of your life. <laughs> Especially as a guy, you're just going to be hungry all the time. That's just how it is. It doesn't mean we should always eat all the time right? It's just, it makes you think, doesn't it? It makes, it makes you think about food, makes you think about, some of you look at that and that's gross, right? I don't like salad, I don't like burgers or fries. So some of you, we all have different thoughts, but it makes you think something. Let's go to the next one, okay? How many of you, any of you who grew up in the 90s, 
this is going to have some thought. For some of us, we're going to be like, why are we showing random pictures of items, right? But for some of us, we're like, oh, that brings back memories. Some of it's good, <laughs> some of it's not, right? Game Boys and floppy disks. You remember when the floppy disk had that little lock on the back? And you're trying to access your, your files and the thing was locked and you go, no, flip it. And you're like, okay, we're all good, right? Good times and pop-up video, right? By the way, I heard they brought that back. Is that true? I don't know that. I've heard they, they're starting to bring that back. Anyway, this brings up thoughts, doesn't it, of your past. All right, let me show you another picture. What thoughts do you have? <laughs> Some of you are booking the trip in your head right now. Like, it's done. <laughs> You're already like, okay, when can I go, right? What, what week can I go? And for those of you who are like me, let me give you this one, all right? This next one. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. That's where it's at for me, all right? I'm booking the trip now, right? Before, it's like, yeah, I'll go there, right? But this is where it's at for me. The truth is, though, our thoughts, our, our mind take us places, doesn't it? When I showed you those pictures, your mind went to things. When I showed you stuff from the 90s, some of you, like, right away, you're, like, remembering the old, terrible computers that you had to use, the floppy disk or the Game Boy that you used to get, and you thought, man, I have arrived to have a Game Boy, right? I mean, you, 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 these pictures take you places. Our mind takes us places. Well, today we're going to continue the series that we've started last week called Recalibrate. And today, I'll be honest, today is a tough topic because we're going to talk about the mind. We're going to be talking about thoughts, your thought life. And this is a difficult topic because, to be honest, it's personal. And you have some very deeply rooted ideas and thoughts about how your mind should work and how it's allowed to work. And you believe that you have the most rights in your life of anything that you have rights to do. You would say, I have the right to think how I want to. And that is true. But God also has something to say about your thought life. And I don't think we always give our thought life a whole lot of credit or thought. See what I did there? And so today... As we dive into this topic, this is going to be intensely personal. And you're not going to want to hear some of it because it deals with stuff that's up here that nobody else knows. Things that you deal with and struggle with on a daily basis sometimes. Sometimes thoughts that are good, sometimes thoughts that are bad. And so we're going to dig into that and see what does God have to say about your mind, about your thoughts. And we're going to dig into that. And so today, I'm just going to ask that you have an open mind See what I did there again? But we're going to talk about our thought life and see what God says about it. So today, I have just two points, two key points for you. See, uh, uh, you can thank me later. It's not three. It's not five. We've only got two points. Don't worry. I'll fill the time. We're good. But two main points about your mind and our thought life and what God says. So let's jump in. The first point, when it comes to our mind and our thought life, we need to focus on the eternal versus the temporary. When Laura and I lived in North Carolina, we were first married. And, uh, and so we would, because we didn't have hardly any money at that point in our life. It's funny because I, I think we're kind of still there, but whatever. <laughs> but early on, we really didn't have much money. And, and, uh, and so we would frequent a store that was known for being extremely, extremely affordable. You know what we call that? Cheap. 
It's extremely cheap. And in this store, I'm not talking about just prices, but you walk in and the prices were extremely low, but the products that they sold were really cheap. They were cheaply made. They were cheaply priced. It was junk for sale is what it was. So I'm not telling you the name of the store because some of you might like this store. <laughs> and so we'd go to this store and I would joke with my wife all the time. I'm like, dear we should not get anything from here. I mean, I look at this thing and I pick it up and it wants to break in my hands as I picked it up off the shelf. It's going to break on the way home. Like, it's just going to happen. Now, the, f the truth is, it's funny because nothing actually broke on the way home that we did buy. And we didn't buy a lot from this store uh, because I just, I couldn't handle it. Uh, but sometimes we did. And there were literally two different items that we bought at two different times. And we took it home and we tried to use it. I think one was a broom or I don't know. It was like real stuff that we needed. And, and we used it. And after a day or two, it busted. And I said, see, we could have spent, instead of $5, we could have spent 15 and it would have lasted 10 years. Instead, we have to buy four brooms over the life of two months from the junk store, right? The, why do I bring that up? The point I bring up is there's a mentality there, isn't there? There's a mentality there. And the mentality is, I want to save money now, but I'm going to pay for it later. I'm going to end up buying four or five or six of these items over the next year or two instead of spending a little bit more and getting something that's quality that's going to last me 10 to 20 years. It's the temporary versus long term. Well, the same is true spiritually. God tells us that we need to focus on the eternal, things that are long-term, things that affect our life and our eternity rather than the temporary on-earth things now. In fact, let me read for you a verse that kind of explains just that. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Listen to what it says. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, there's, that's talking about you of, any of us who have given our life to Jesus, we're followers of Christ, set your sights or focus on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about, focus on the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, that's a very difficult verse, but what that's saying is that your real life, when you give your life to Jesus, your real identity, your real life, who you really are, is actually hidden, it's actually couched in, it actually resides in Jesus. What exactly does that mean? It means when God looks at you, if you've given your life to Christ, he does not see your sin. He sees you through Jesus. That's a very good thing. We want God to see us through Jesus. Those who have not accepted Jesus, God sees them with the sin. He also sees them for the value that they have, but he sees the sin. Jesus takes that sin and veils that sin and forgives that sin so that our identity is in Christ. And what this is saying is, if we are in Christ, then our goal is, what we need to use our minds for, is to think on, focus on, go for the things that are eternal. And what we focus on is important, isn't it? Why is it important? Well, it's because what you think about determines your emotions, how you feel doesn't it? What I think about, what I focus on determines how I feel and how I feel determines how I act, right? Anybody act out of emotions every now and then? 
just a few times, okay daily, right? So our mind leads to emotions, and our emotions leads to actions, and our actions dictates our life. But it starts most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time in a mindful, thoughtful thing where we're at. And so this is important to know that what our focus is is a big deal. In fact, let me share this with you. Philippians 4.8 says this. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. <laughs> That's a good list. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. How many of you live in that moment where your thoughts are always excellent and worthy of praise? Me neither. <laughs> Me neither. I don't know about you, but like, for example, let me just give you an example from my own life. When I'm hungry, I'm not doing well, right? My thought life is a little off, okay? And when I walk in, let's just say, for example, I walk into a restaurant and it happens to be lunchtime or supper time, and I got there after the other 27 people who are also hungry, right? And they're all in line. And we all have, for whatever reason, the store, the, the, the restaurant could not get enough workers. And so we have a cashier who's training that day. And they don't know what they're doing. They certainly don't know how to add the extra sauce on the cash register. And the person has 12 special requests for their burger, right? And so do the other 20 people before me. And I don't know about you, but I just have holy, wonderful thoughts as I pray for those people and love that I get to stand there in line for half an hour. I'm just so thankful. Heck no. <laughs> I'm angry. I'm like, come on, get your act together. Who's the manager? Get more workers. Train them on a different time, like in the middle of the night or whatever you have to do because I am hungry, right? My thought life, I'm like, and then what happens is, right? My wife can't do anything right. And my children, they might not even be loud, but I'm like, be quiet, right? And it's not their fault. It's because I'm hungry. And my thought can't get off of that. You know how I change that? I do what this verse says. There are sometimes I do really well at this, and there are other times, my goodness, my family can tell you I fail miserably. Like, you know those videos, those pictures, epic fail? Sometimes that needs to be over me when I'm hungry or other times. But the truth is that sometimes what I need to do is I need to look around and I need to see that everybody else around me is probably in the same mental state as I am. They're hungry too. I, I can put myself, I don't know about you, but when I'm hungry, I think I'm the hungriest in the room. So move out of my way because I know how I feel and I don't think you feel this way. I'm more hungry than you, move it. But that's not true, is it? And I have to change and I have to replace the thought. You can't just, you can't just try to think less about hunger, right? What, if, what, what happens when you try to think less about something? You start thinking about it more, don't you? That's what I do. And this is what this is saying is fix your thoughts. Replace those thoughts with something that is honorable, that is true, that is admirable, that is lovely. In this case, you know what I try to do? I seriously try to do this. Again, I fail miserably at it sometimes. But what I try to do is I try to think about everybody else and what they might need and the fact that they're all hungry too. And it starts to take the focus, my thoughts, off of my own stomach and puts it onto everybody else and then I'm okay. Again, sometimes I do well at this, sometimes I fail. But we've got to put our thoughts on the long term and on others rather than ourselves all the time. 
because our emotions stem from our thoughts. Let me give you a couple other examples. Uh, I heard this story, the TSA, you guys know who the TSA is, right? Transportation Security Administration. The ones who do all the security at airports, basically, they're, they're those people, right? We love those people, by the way. They're awesome, okay? And they have this terrible job, really difficult job of making sure that they've got every single person that gets on a plane to be safe. Well, what they've decided that they need to do is they've decided they needed to add a whole bunch of things to their task force. And one thing that they've decided they need to add is they need to add a whole bunch of floppy-eared dogs to the, to the people, the dogs, and the people that work with trying to sniff out, you know, bomb components or, or uh, you know, drugs or anything like that. But why floppy-eared dogs? Like, specifically, the news cat, they talked about, we need to bring in, hire in more floppy-eared dogs. You know why? Because they found that floppy-eared dogs have a calming effect on people. When people see floppy-eared dogs, let let me put that into reality context. That means when people see floppy-eared dogs, they're like, oh, right? I don't do that, right? I'm just like, oh, that's a cute dog, right? And we're on, hey? But my kids and my wife, they're like, oh, they become puddles and they're on the floor and we're rolling and wrestling with the dog, right? But if there's a dog that has the pointy ears, you know what happens? They found people's barriers go up. It's a thought thing. It's not, I'm not saying the thought's right. I'm just saying it's a thought thing. It's how people perceive what they see. Let me give you another example. Okay? And I want to ask you a question. I want you to actually participate. So I want hands on this one. Okay? Let me ask the whole question and then I just want to see. How many of you this week, sometime this week, you had a conversation about, saw a picture of, a video about, an article on, a newscast on, something relating to September 11th? How many of you were re- exposed to something like that? Okay, that's pretty much the entire room. Okay, let me ask you something. Did it change some of your thoughts when you were confronted with that stuff? Yeah, of course it did. I had many conversations about September 11th this week. I saw quite a few videos, pictures. And I don't know about you, but my thought life went all kinds of directions when I was confronted with this stuff. I had anger, thoughts of anger toward the people that would do that. I don't know if you had that. I had, I had anger. I just, I just wanted to go out and take somebody because I was so mad at what they did so many years ago to take almost 3,000 lives. Innocent. I had gratefulness for being alive and for the fact that I still have my family. I had all kinds of thoughts. I had, had thoughts about where I was. How many of you were asked, where, do you remember where you were on September 11th? I had, had that conversation at lunch to, uh, this last week. I had several other conversations about that where somebody asked me the very same question. Good question. I remember exactly where it was. My thoughts went back to that day. I was teaching a middle school classroom. Wow, was that not a powerful history lesson that day. Our thoughts matter. What we focus on matters because it leads us to places and emotions and actions and it dictates how our life goes. 
So we need to focus on the eternal, the long term, rather than just the temporary short term play. Don't think about the hunger. Think about the people that are there. Don't think about your desires on this day. Think about eternal, eternal aspects and what God wants you to become. All right, so the first one is focus on the eternal, not the temporary. The second one is input determines output. <laughs> Very simple. We all know this is true, but to be honest, I think this is one of those that we do not like to acknowledge is true. We do not like to believe. Some of you actually don't believe this is true because you've taught yourself to believe that this actually is not true. That this point is not actually a reality, a, a real deal fact. But the truth is that input dictates or determines our output. What, co- what goes in must come out. In fact, there was a kid's song that I learned. Uh, it kind of talked our brain being kind of like a computer, which is somewhat true. And, uh, and there's a chorus. I don't remember the verses. I have no idea what the verses were. I think that the, the verses were dumb. But uh, the chorus was really good. All right? I kid you not. If you, if you find this song, you're going to be like, that's one of the dumbest songs I've ever heard. And I would agree with you. Um, but the chorus is really good. And the chorus went like this. It went like this. It said, input, output, what goes in is what comes out. Input, output, what goes in is what comes out. And it was really catchy. I, I, I remember that my entire life. I mean, I, I don't even know when I remember, learned that. But it was, it was a huge song to, under, to help us understand as kids that what goes into our heart, what goes into our brain, what goes into our life also then has to come back out somehow. And so our input determines our output. There's a verse that talks about this, Romans 7, 22 and 23 says this. It says, I love God, God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is a war with my mind. In other words, there's a war for the input and there's a war for the output. And so there's a, it's at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And let me just tell you something that we all know is true. You and I are bombarded on a daily basis with videos and images and conversations and news bites and sound bites and podcasts and whatever else. We are constantly TV and movies and everything else. We are bombarded with images and sound bites and all this kind of stuff on a constant basis. Whereas uh, many, many years ago, this was not the case, was it? In order to read something or be in, influenced by something, you had to actually pick up a piece of paper, right? Now, right, even as I'm speaking, I'm sure I've gotten like 12,000 things. Now I've got it turned off, so it's not going bzz, ding, bzz, ding, because you guys would be like, who is that? Oh, it's the pastor, uh, whatever, right? But the truth is that we are bombarded with things, and, and let's be honest. Can we be honest for a second? Can, can I just tell you, I don't think a good portion of it, maybe even most of it, is good. The vast majority of it's negative. Why? Because negative sells, Right? If something bad happens, we all tune in. If it's not, if it's just like, hey, people love floppier dogs. Well, a few are going to look at that, but most of us are going to be like, um, I have better things to do. But if there's a disaster, we're all tuned in, right? Because when the accident happens on the side road or somebody gets pulled over for speeding, we're in. 
Who is the idiot today? We just want to know. We're human. And it sells. And so what I know what I had to do. I had, I had a habit. I got rid of this habit uh, about two years ago now. On my phone. And you guys probably have the same thing. I had a news app. It was automatically loaded on the phone that I got. And, I, and it didn't used to be there. But then the new phone that I got, it was. It was automatically there. And so what I know is I could swipe to the right and there was a quick list of four articles, news articles, mainstream stuff that everybody's reading about. And I could go over that. You know what I would find myself doing? I'd sit down to work or I'd get ready to pray or, or I'm going to hammer out a sermon or I'm getting ready to call a few people or work through an email or whatever the case is. And I'd sit down and I'd pull my phone out to set it down on the desk because I didn't need it at the moment. But you know what I'd do anyway? I wouldn't set it down. I'd look at it and be like, hmm, swipe. And then I'd be like, ooh, Ba ba ba. Oh wow. Ooh, that sounds pretty bad. And I'd click and I'd read. And then at the bottom, what do they do? They have four more. I'd be like, ooh, wow. Click. And half an hour later, I've just digested as much negativity as I can possibly handle in half an hour. And now I know the world is terrible. And now I have to write a sermon. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna go well. My mindset's really going to be great. What I find is I had to delete the news app. I just had to get rid of it. And every now and then, some of you will send me news articles. And you know what happens? I have to go look it up on the computer because I open it and it says, you need the news app to do that. Uh, I'm not going to, and I've been tempted to download it again, but I haven't. I think that we need to consider that the input is rough. Now, here, let me be honest. Okay, this sounds like a typical sermon in typical pastor mode, right? Because I'm saying evil, the phones are evil, and uh, media's evil, and internet's evil, and we should just live in uh, a, a cabin in the woods and sing kumbaya all the time. Some of you are like, yeah, typical Christian pastor sermon. Just don't ever look at the world and never be in the world. Don't ever touch anything. Okay, can I be honest? I, I don't think that our phones and the internet and social media and all that stuff in and of itself is bad. Okay, you heard it from me first. I'm not, I don't think it's bad in and of itself. Here's what I think really is the problem. I think that things, things have changed so fast that as human beings, we have not prepared ourselves to handle what we're getting. I think we are completely unprepared as a society for what we're doing to ourselves. I think that what this, this verse said is we're at war in our minds and we're not helping ourselves win the war. Let me give you an example of this. This would be like me going to my youngest son, Tanner, who's six years old and handing him the keys to our car. Hey, Tanner, I just want you to take it for a spin, see how it goes. Right? How, how, how's that going to go? <laughs> My six-year-old driving our van, right? We all know how that's going to go. It's not going to go well at all. It's not going to be good for Tanner. It's not going to be good for our van. It's definitely not going to be good for our insurance rates. It's not going to be good for pedestrians. It's not going to be good for dogs. It's not going to be good for anybody who's on the street. It's not even going to be safe for people in their houses, right? Because my six-year-old is driving our van, 
right? Is there something wrong with the van? Is the van evil? No. Is Tanner evil? No. Is it evil to walk on the, you know, around the street or on the sidewalks? No, none of that is. But what is pro- the problem is, is that Tanner is completely unprepared for what he's about to do. I think that we're unprepared for what our phones and the internet and social media does to us. And we're just not handling it well. I don't think it's evil. I just don't think we've trained ourselves to filter correctly. And what God is saying to you and I is possibly that we need to change the input so that our output can be more like God. So I think we need to consider the input. Here's another thing. I believe that as we get bombarded with these things in life, this negativity, this stuff that's totally not according to God's word, and you know there is stuff on your phone and stuff in your music and stuff on movies and stuff in TV that does not line up with what God says is holy, right? If, if Jesus sat down and said, hey, I just need to go through some of your stuff for a while. Let's just play a few songs. Bing, right? If he did that and he gets to choose whatever he wants, How many of you would he, if he hits a certain couple of songs that are on there, you go, this is not going to go well. Jesus, I'm apologizing now. (laughs) Right? Because we don't consider how strongly the input is influencing our output. And the other part of this is it's the constant bombardment. I think it's wearing us down. It's kind of like a dam that has constant pressure. If it's not completely and regularly maintained, something's going to break. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, this week, we had a whole bunch of rainfall over a couple of days. You guys remember that, right? Lots of storms in the middle of the night. Well, my wife was going through a couple of the closets uh, with my mother, and they were looking at the stuff. And then uh, in one of the back corners, they noticed there were some new water stains on the inside of our house and our drywall. Oh, that's always exciting. My thought life was really good at that point. God, you're so awesome. I love you. I love houses. I love maintenance. Ah! Right? And so Laura lets me know, okay, so I call somebody who's an expert in roofing and all that kind of stuff. Comes over and determines that he found the problem. And we knew there was a problem, obviously, because if water's coming into your house, right, not in the shower or something, it's bad. And so he found the problem, and, and this, is, this is what's interesting. So he pulled off the siding, and he pulled off some of the shingles on the top of the roof. And we knew kind of exactly where it was coming in, and so he knew where to look. And he said, I just want you to show, I want to show you something. This is what's been happening. He said, the truth is, this has been happening since the house was built. Our house is like, I don't know, 30-some years old, maybe older than that. And I want to show you pictures. These are the pictures that he took. This was around an old chimney that actually is not a chimney anymore, but this is what was going on underneath the the shingles. (laughs) Yeah. He stepped on it and he said, yeah, it it actually moved. Like it went up and down. That shouldn't happen, just so you know, on your roof. (laughs) And and here's my point though, guys. Here's my point. I think that you and I, in our thought life, we are like my roof. I think that we allow news and negativity and conversation and gossip and everything else. We just allow it to flood in. Just, it's like a torrent. 
and we allow it in and we read it and we, it sucks us in and we allow it to just seep in and we just, we're thinking, oh man, we're getting all this stuff. And slowly what is happening, I think, is it's hidden. We don't even realize it, but it's slowly eroding and rotting who we are and who God wants us to be. And eventually it's going to break and eventually we're going to see the stains and eventually destruction is going to happen. I think that that's what God is talking about here. He's saying, Paul, the Apostle Paul is saying, there's a war going on for your mind and we've got to win it. And one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways that we win this war, this battle, is to help control and minimize maybe some of the negative or opposite of God's word kind of input that's going in. Because it is affecting us. Can I tell you, I don't, I, I don't know if you believe it or not, but I'm just here to tell you, you're lying to yourself if you think that this stuff is not affecting you. You're just lying. You're a liar. You're lying to yourself. And you're lying to me if you tell me that. I, I just, it's just not true. God's word says it's not. You can't contain or have the output be pure if the input is bad. Kind of like if I eat 12 donuts today. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much I believe. no. Nah. I'm going to be totally fine. That much sugar is totally okay. It doesn't matter how much I tell myself that. We all know it's not good. We've got to control the input. Now, let me dig into one little extra level. This is not an extra point, but it's kind of like, I'll just consider it a bonus for you guys. It's like you got an extra coupon today. Woohoo! Aren't you excited? You might be sitting here and saying, I don't know that God really, does God really consider our thought life to be that important? And my answer to that is a resounding and clear, emphatic, no question, yes. And I'm about to share with you one of the most intense passages of Scripture you're ever going to hear. And it's going to be hard to hear. It's going to be hard to listen. And it's actually the words of Jesus. He literally spoke these words. In fact, what I'm going to quote to you in a moment out of God's word is a sermon that Jesus gave. Jesus gave sermons. He really did. This is his most famous sermon, actually. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's when he preached to a whole huge group of people on a mountain, on a hillside. And he preached to all these people, and, he, and he's preaching. And right in the middle of this, Jesus makes a point. By the way, you think I'm bad. I have two points today. Sometimes it's three, sometimes it's five. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus had about 30. I mean, he nailed some amazing stuff and difficult. And the truth is, what I'm about to read to you, when Jesus said this out loud to the people there, it would have been unbelievably offensive and shocking. And I think it will be today too, to be honest. Well, I want to read what Jesus says, and it tells you how important your thought life is. Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, You have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Again, now he's quoting the Ten Commandments is what he's doing. Okay, Jesus just quoted the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus says, But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That tells you the level of where your thought life stays and how important it is to God. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. 
And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. These are intense words from Jesus. This is from our Savior. Okay? This is quoting him when he was giving a sermon. Now, I want to be really, really clear. Okay? Really clear. Jesus is not encouraging, advocating, or wanting you to self-mutilate, okay? Seriously. A lot of people in our world today, let me tell you, this is happening more and more. Self-mutilation is, is a big problem today. Because I know, I know because in our church, we work with a lot of youth, and they deal with it more than anybody. Jesus is not advocating for self-mutilation, but here's what he is saying. He's using an extreme example, just like I use an extreme example with Tanner and my six-year-old. I am not advocating for you to give your six-year-old the keys to your car, <laughs> right? That was not my point. My point was to make a point. And Jesus is trying to make a point here. He's saying your thought life is so important that you need to gouge out, you need to cut off, you need to get rid of whatever it is is causing your mind to sin so that you don't sin anymore because this is a serious deal. It's an eternal thing. That's what God is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. That your thought life is a big deal. And that whatever is causing you to think other things beyond God or against God, we need to get it out of our life. Let me finish with one verse that talks about what we need to do. Romans 12, 2 says this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you or change you into a new person by changing the way you, what? What does it say? Changing the way you think. Your thought life, your mind, that's where it starts, is what God says. Then, if you do that, then the result, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How many of you would love to have and know God's will, which is pleasing and perfect and good? What God says is, we need to align, recalibrate our brain to think on the things of eternity, things of God first. So I want to challenge you this morning. I want you to just stop for a moment and think. When was the last time, and I, I really want you to think about this, and for some of you, there's never been a time, what I'm about to ask. When was the last time you stopped for a significant amount of time, hour, two hours, half a day, full day, maybe a weekend retreat, whatever the case is, when was the last time you stopped and really considered and thought about and mulled over where you're going in life and where you're headed? Like who you're becoming. I'm not saying like how the next week's going to go. Laura and I do that, right? We sit down, look at the calendar and we go, yep, looks like we're full again. <laughs> looks like there's no way we can get all the kids to everywhere they need to be at the same time. So we're going to have to bring in other families. Hey, can you get Jackson to, you know, hey, can you? Fantastic. Our family can get there. Right? And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about from a core perspective, a core level. When was the last time you considered who you're becoming and the target that you're headed toward? That's a deeper level question, isn't it? Who are you becoming? 
What type of person? What, what's, what's the direction that you're going? Because here's my contention, my suggestion. The direction you're pointing determines what you're doing. Am I right? What I'm aiming at, in other words, I'm going to hit sometimes. And the target is a big deal. What I'm shooting at, I can hit. But then, let me also tell you the reverse of that is true. Okay? And this is true. Okay? Let me tell you this. If you're aiming at something different than what your target should be, you're going to hit that every time. You're going to miss the target every time because you're not aiming at it. And so my suggestion to you is, let's consider a couple of questions this morning. How's your thought life? How's your thought life? How's your thought life? What do you focus on? Are there aspects of your thoughts and your mind? And oh, and by the way, I should have mentioned this probably way back in the middle of the sermon. But we don't need to get legalistic, and God doesn't get legalistic here either, okay? When you have thoughts of gossip that come into your brain, and I know we all tend to do that, right? And, and that's just thinking, th basically thinking about somebody negatively, and then we share it. That's gossip, right? Okay, when that comes into our brain, the fact that we thought something negative about somebody, okay, is not the sin, Right? That's not sinful. It's what we do with the thought that could or could not be sin. Okay? It's kind of like when the person, <laughs> it's kind of like when, the, when I'm driving on the interstate and I'm in the left lane, I've got it on cruise, I'm going as fast as I want to do, we're doing good, we're getting there, and then somebody who drives slightly differently than me, I'll say, gets into the left lane, turn signal, here we go. And they're going way too slow. I can tell you my thoughts are very holy and I pray for that person right away. You know what? No, I don't. You know what I'm like? You know, and my family can attest to this. I'm like, unbelievable. Please move the car. I just get so angry. I'm driving here and you just, and there's 37,000 cars in the right lane that you have to pass. And so for the next 12 miles, right? Here's what I do. I go there. And so how is your thought life? It's not that the thoughts come into your brain. I have those thoughts too. I'm admitting that to you. I've shared many of them. Now you guys have all kinds of fodder for me, right? But it's what you do with those thoughts. Do you entertain them? When lust comes into your head, Men in the room, this is a problem for us. Let's admit it. When lustful thoughts come in, what do you do with them? Do you play with them? Most men do. It's what you do with those thoughts that matter. So my, my question is the same. How's your thought life? Would it be glorifying and honoring? If I had some way to plug into your brain and put up what you thought this past week, everything, would you be really embarrassed? Or would you be okay? That's the standard we gotta go for. Again, we're not gonna be perfect, but what are we doing? What's our direction? Let's pray.
Lord, I know today is a tough topic because we're talking about hidden things. And I know that it's hard to wrestle with this and we don't like to admit some things that are going on in our head. And God, I know that we talked about kind of some input things and some eternal things and what our focus needs to be, but there's also like mental health things. There's anxiety and there's depression and we didn't even scratch the surface on, on talking about some of that stuff. And I'm not here to say, God, you know that I'm not here to say that I just gave the solution to all that stuff. But God, what I know needs to happen is that we need to focus and put our thoughts and our brain and our mentality and our focus on you. Because you are perfect and you're holy and you want what's best for us. And God, you know I struggle in the thought life area. I do. I've just admitted a couple of different things this morning. But God, I know that you, you understand the reality is it's not whether or not we have a quick thought, it's what we do with those things. And it's what we're allowing to come into our mind. So I pray that you'd help us to purify our thought life. Make it obedient to you. I pray that we'd focus on the eternal, the most important things in this life and not the temporary. Help our thought life like our actions and our emotions, to be glorifying, to be honoring to you, Jesus. Because it's a big deal. Thank you for caring about us so much. Help us to make you the king of our life, including the king of our thought life. I pray this and I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand.